everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today. Oh. That is right. Today, we are asking ourselves the age-old question, why do we like fantasy? And uh, there's a little background to this question today, Dylan. Would you like to get into that? Yeah, sure. Well, Zach from Middle Fantasy over on YouTube is basically compiling a bunch of answers from... uh, Anyone who wants to contribute, from what I understand, I don't think you have to be someone who typically creates content or anything like that. Uh, It's called Why Fantasy, a fantastical collaboration, and it basically involves uh, sending an audio or video recording where you answer briefly, uh, not as long (laughs) as our podcast. Uh, I think there's, what is it, a two-minute limit, Yeah, like a two-minute max time limit. Yeah. So uh, we won't be submitting our entire podcast episode to (laughs) Why Fantasy, but uh, yeah, anyone, you, the listener, can also submit to Zach from Mill Fantasy's Why Fantasy, a fantastical collaboration where you answer the question, why fantasy? Why do you like reading fantasy? And we're here to do that in extended format here on this episode, and then we'll be sure to submit our two-minute video where or probably not even that long, uh, uh, where you and I, Charles, answer this question more concisely. But we're going to answer question in full here. That's right. You know, it's a great question. We were coming up with an answer to the question um, for Zach's video. And we're like, you know what? Let's expand on it in a podcast episode as well. So I'm really excited to, to get into the question. So Dylan, I'll ask you. Okay, Why do sec. you like that? Bef- <laughs> Charles, before you do it. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I realize I, I'll put the, we'll put the episode description, really, Charles will. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll put in the episode description information of how you can submit to Zach from Middle Fantasy's Why Fantasy, a fantastical collaboration. And Zach's a booktuber, by the way. Yes. So we'll put the link to that submission instruction video on his channel. And people can go watch that, and um, if they would like to enter, they can follow the instructions. He's made it pretty simple, so um, I I would encourage anyone that's interested to to go for it. Um, So that being said, Dylan, you can't avoid the question any longer. Uh, Why do you like fantasy? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, luckily for me, I already responded on Reddit under the FTF podcast account to basically this same question months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I just was like, why do I like fans? And we also talked about this in our welcome episode, yes. our first ever episode, which I would tell you to check out. But honestly, I think we've gotten a lot better at podcasting than, uh, since then. So <laughs> maybe just stick around here. Yes. Um, so <laughs> then, uh, yeah, I was able to just go back on our Reddit feed to like, what did I say then? Because unlike <laughs> when we're podcasting, when I'm posting on these social media platforms, I can actually take the time to think through what I'm going to say and, and phrase it a bit better than whatever just comes out of my mouth on a <laughs> podcast. So all that is to say, I'm just going to read my Reddit post right now. And I'm also probably just going to basically read my Reddit post <laughs> when <laughs> we end up recording the video. But you're on your own, Charles. You got to figure <laughs> something else out. Right. <laughs> so uh, for me, the main reason that I like fantasy is that I'm interested in stories about people, psychology, and human nature. And I think fantasy provides unique opportunities to tell those kinds of stories. Fantasy authors can ask and explore important aspects about people in unique ways by pushing beyond the limitations of the laws of nature of our world. For example, a character like the Lord Ruler in Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson allows us to take a look at how a person who has been supernaturally kept alive and in power extremely long and can come to be seen as more of a force of nature than a person. Uh, uh, it basically allows us to do that. I guess I have some grammatical errors here. Uh, <laughs> I'll fix those before the video. Uh, uh, and we get to see how much courage and perhaps foolhardiness it takes for our protagonist to even consider standing up to an antagonist like the Lord Ruler in Mistborn. Uh, a a similar story about trying to overthrow a ruler without any of these magical elements can't quite hit the same notes. Oh, and also, I like fancy because dragons are cool. <laughs> dragons are cool. I'll agree with that. Um, that's well said, Dylan. Um, I would agree with a lot of those points. Definitely this aspect of exploring human nature and the human condition is one of the biggest reasons I love fantasy because you can push some of those aspects of humanity to the extreme through elements of the fantastical, right? Like you can have um, literally a ruler supernaturally kept alive and in power for extremely long. And you can explore like what would happen if a, a human lives longer than they're ever supposed to? And how does that affect yeah. their view on humanity and, and being a ruler? And how do they see other people and things like that? And doesn't surprise me that you go there being a student of psychology yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it almost always comes back to that. The fundamental things that I'm interested in are almost definitely psychology in one form or another. So I think fantasy gives us those opportunities to say, well, what if? I mean, it asks us all these what if questions that we couldn't explore otherwise and i think of all sorts of things speaking about psychology one thing that comes to mind is lev grossman's work mm -hmm. uh you know we're both big fans of the magicians and huge fans. we haven't yeah uh we haven't really watched we've only watched like the first episode of the show but mm -hmm. we're big fans of the trilogy that lev grossman wrote and yeah. highly recommend checking that out and i think 
like that does a really really interesting job of exploring the ideas of like what kind of things a like a magical school existing could do to impact someone who struggles with their mental health particularly depression and just longs for the idea of something as fantastical as a magical school a la harry pottery obviously it's more adult than that Uh, so like you think of someone who is dealing with uh, this depressive distress and saying oh if only a magical school existed like the ones (laughs) i read about then i would feel better and then what fancy allows us to do and allowed grossman to do and the magicians would say well let's say it does exist what happens to our main character quentin now and it's such a it's such a great series and the way it that's such a these mental great exploration so too that using the elements of fantastic to like what if someone got their wildest dreams and like is is that you know the the cure they were looking for you know and that's so well explored in in, in Lev Grossman's because he does keep the characters grounded in like humanity and psychology right. but then he introduces elements of the fantastic magic schools things like that. To see, like, how would the brain react? And we, in doing that, we almost kind of get more to the truth of the human condition, right? And it's, it's a way that, to explore depression in a way that's so brilliant that, like, to me, hit like, an understanding for me greater than any kind of work of like telling, retelling like a nonfiction story or reading about it in a textbook or something like that. It's like, oh wow, I, I have another layer of understanding to this through reading this complete work of fiction (laughs) for sure i mean obviously uh, listeners probably know by now i'm pursuing a phd in counseling psychology and i am i'm always reading a lot for that of more of these like non-fiction or really it's like scientific explorations of uh, a lot of these psychological phenomena and I still think there's so much more to learn to supplement what I'm already learning from the, the <laughs> scientific side in the fiction side. And I think that a f- holistic understanding of psychology does involve uh, exploring some of these what-if scenarios that we never would be able to explore through scientific means. So I think Mm -hmm. I learn a lot about psychology through the mindsets and perspectives that I take on when I'm reading fantasy. That's very well said. I have a quote that gets into like the what-if nature of fantasy here that I think it's a good time to read it. If sure, you... let's hear it. So this is a quote from Guy Gavril Kay, uh, the writer of oh. Tigana and Under Heaven and Lines of Our Son, you know, very accomplished fantasy author. Yes. He goes, what if is more than a game? It is a way of considering where we are and how we arrived here. And this is a huge component of what I'm trying to do. I love the way folktale and fantasy tap into the roots of storytelling. The paradox for me is that by moving a story into the fantastic, we can actually bring it closer to the reader, not move it further away. And that pretty much very eloquently describes what we're trying to say. You know, it's, it's good to yeah. have an author actually put that into words. And <laughs> to speak on like this idea of 
I love this phrase into the fantastic, right? So let's take human condition into the fantastic. And one of his most famous works, Tigana, um, is about the way, you know, he basically asked himself what, like, you know, tyranny tries to erase identity and conquered peoples. That's kind of what the story he's trying to write. And then he brings it into the fantastic by having tyranny literally, it, through powers of the fantastic, erase their identity, right? So where they can't speak their own name of their nation like no one can hear it they can say it but people don't hear it through powers of magic so he's literally trying to erase them and that's what that story is about and you can really like through the fantastic bring it closer to the reader be like man that is so because it's literally being erased and they could explore how those people react and how they exist when and like what is identity and you know what does it mean to be erased from history and it's like a really interesting exploration of something that we see in history all the time but that we can't really isolate and focus on without bringing in magical elements so i mean mm. super well said by guy gavril k and it's the main reason and i think we've been kind of skating around this idea of, of like yeah bring it into the fantastic to bring it closer to the reader. I mean, that's what makes fantasy so stand out for us as a genre. For sure, Charles. I mean, that's so eloquently put both by Gabriel K, Guy Gabriel K, as well as you, Charles. <laughs> I think and... I did a little better than me, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neck and neck there, Charles. Uh, the <laughs> incredible writer, Guy Gabriel K, or Charles of the FTF <laughs> podcast. But I'll I'll say that that idea, and, and Gabriel K does such a good job of paralleling history and allowing us to be able to take a look at some of these things that happen in the real world through a different perspective by mm -hmm. nature of telling a fantastical story, like you said, Charles, making it literal rather than figurative. And by doing that, it makes us actually consider the extent to which when this is figuratively happening in the real world, it affects people, it affects, uh, you know, entire populaces. And another author that does that extremely well, Charles, is... <laughs> R.F. Kuang, who yes. does the Poppy War trilogy and is incredibly well educated on uh, just a variety of topics, including Chinese history. And she, uh, you read a quote from her, I believe, on air in another podcast, maybe our Burning God episode, where R.F. Kuang said, At first, I want to be a historian. I was really interested in wartime history, which is where all the material for the Poppy War came from. But during my grad school course, I was always drawn to the cultural literary stuff. So now I do literary history and literature proper. That feels like cheating for literary inspiration because there are so many story forms, myths, character types, anecdotes, and episodes in Chinese literature and wartime history that have not been repeated a thousand times in English yet. I can present my own variations on them and readers think this is so original. Actually, no, it's building on thousands of years of tradition. I think the innate quality that made me become a writer was that impulse to represent things through a distorted mirror. Mm -hmm. And that distorted mirror is, I think, really interesting because the idea is we get to see a reflection, right? But it's a reflection that has been, as Kuang eloquently puts it, distorted and changed in ways that allow us to see new perspectives on potentially 
like not necessarily old things in the way of like our day, but in things that maybe we haven't ever thought of in this way before and we can kind of see the things we're already vaguely aware of in a new light and that Mm -hmm. allows us to learn so much that's well said and i think it's interesting to compare guy gavril k and rf kwong because they both are experts in history in one form or another and they both did a ton of research in actual world history in preparations for their novels. Um, like you said, Arv Kuang studied like Asian history and is an expert in Chinese history. And Guy Gavril Kay, in pre- preparation for like Tigana, for example, did tons of research in like Mediterranean history, Italian history. Under heaven, he like researched specific Asian poets. And they take all of these influences and they bring it into the fantastic or through a distorted mirror, depending on who you ask, and explore, like, how is history repeating itself? How does it affect people? How does it affect the human condition? And, like, you have to do a ton of research. In re- and I think, um, you know, George Martin did a lot of um, research in, like, European history to influence um, Game of Thrones. And so, right, War of the like, Roses. Yeah, so all of these elements of truth are stuffed into these books, and that's just to get us closer to these elements of the human condition. And we use this distorted mirror, this bringing it into the fantastic to explore the what-ifs, and that is what makes fantasy so unique in literature. And, like, sometimes people say, you know... Um, fiction is can sometimes be more real than nonfiction. you know it's like sometimes it's like wow these are really true elements of the human condition that we've learned a lot about and like that's what makes these books stand out so much that's well said charles yeah while you bring up george uh, by the way and his inspiration from the war of the roses it is amazing how similar so i i just want to say george grabbed stuff from two families one is called the lancasters and one is called the yorks and uh then based a story about the lannisters and the starks on that so it's like some of these mirrors don't even get too distorted and Mm -hmm. are pretty i mean obviously a lot of stuff that happens in george's books uh we're we're very far from the reality and i'll say that that's something i really some of what I really appreciate about fantasy as well had me thinking about George's books. And one thing that is very different from what happened with the Lancasters and Yorks is the fact that from literally the prologue, we get the sense that there are these creatures that are some sort of existential threat called the White Walkers (laughs) that are threatening the very world. And I think it's it's interesting that fantasy can take some of these elements like an existential threat and you think of when there are existential threats taking place in our own world they're not really things you can put a face to yeah. and it makes a much less interesting story and oftentimes a less uh, clear motivator for people to, to fight the existential threat when there's not a face to put to it and mm-hmm. what fantasy allows us to do is say Oh yeah, this existential threat that could destroy the world. Uh, it looks like this, and and sometimes not. I mean, I don't want to say whether this is the case or not in George's uh, work, but just theoretically, that existential threat could even be a, a person and talking and all this kind of stuff, but have powers that enable them to threaten the 
world and what happens when people are, are faced with that and what can we learn in in our world right and what does it, it say about society when we know these threats have existed since page one of game of thrones and we're also like most characters aren't even aware of it aren't interested in it and are politicking right so it's like right how can we learn from that in our own modern history it's like what are we so worried about that we're squabbling over while the real problems um are bigger than that you know so potentially mm. so it's like um the exploration of that in george's work it, it is is excellent and it's done through like you said the personification of these existential threats like the white walkers and all kinds of other creatures and magic and then also just humanity and the, and the evil people that live in it sometimes too so it's uh super interesting and i mean obviously game of thrones song of ice and fire is like a masterwork too and that's just one of the many reasons that i've loved reading that series yeah for sure charles and i'm realizing uh, we're drawing from a lot of these really brilliant authors here like guy gabriel k rf kwong george r, r. martin to try to answer this question and it feels like we're taking a very capital l literature kind of yeah. approach with drawing from folks like that i feel like to answering this question mm. and i think that I also wrote in that Reddit post that bit about I like fantasy because dragons are cool after right. my attempt to write a lot uh, more about these parallels. And I, I think we don't want to underestimate how much of why we read fantasy is also just because of the fun side of why oh, fantasy, yeah. Yeah. right? So, and someone who comes to mind uh, very quickly is uh, another extremely brilliant <laughs> author, uh, Mark Lawrence, mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, he, they, we're talking about a guy who once worked in rocket science, and at the same time, he's someone who likes to just tell really fun fantasy stories that from our sense like when we asked him a lot of questions about his work and uh he responded it was like a lot of how he thinks about it seems to be more what kind of interesting fun stories do i want to tell and it allows him to uh, do things like create a, a sweet mercy convent which is basically a nunnery with killer magical nuns being trained uh, to fight in ways that no one would ever be able to outside of the fantasy genre or at least speculative fiction and then even things like the ring fighting which is like yeah. a wwe <laughs> match all, yeah. almost are taking place in this world and i think that kind of charm and that kind of fun um oh and, and all the fun that's in bound and also that's book of the ancestor as well uh, right. is the series i'm talking about uh starting with red sister uh there's so many fun things that we get to see nona and friends and uh, do in that series mm. and i think that fun side of fantasy that mark lawrence embodies but so many other works show too sure is is a great and there's so many well. great characters as well like we're just about wrapping up our buddy read of Jub or Crombie and talk about just a book that's fun to read just because it's mm -hmm. fun. It's like all those characters are super engaging yes. and told in almost like a humorous way. And there's so much wit and, you know, fun elements to that story that you just enjoy reading over and over again. And it's just fun to be in those worlds and read these characters and have, hear their musings and, um, you know, 
it's it's pure entertainment and i even think of like when we read the witcher it's like he's a monster bounty hunter like that he fights like actual creatures you know it's just fun to read about him fighting a monster using both his sword play and his magic i mean we have had discussions that get into capital l literature about both series but even if you don't go that deep you can still enjoy it for like oh this is like a fun battle right now that's involving magic and monsters and sword fighting and it's it's just entertaining and dragons are cool too dragons are indeed cool charles yeah i think that's something that fancy offers so much is these stories that can be enjoyed on multiple levels like you're getting at here Mm -hmm. where like you can take the story on this almost surface level and i don't mean that in like a disparaging way i mean that as like dragons are cool and if you like reading stories about dragons uh, you sound cool too uh but also you can often find these deeper themes uh, when they're presented by the deft hands like the authors that we're talking about and uh, witcher is a great example of that where it's like it's so action-packed and all that that it makes a great video game and a really interesting action-packed television show with some amazing fight scenes but at the same time you can have conversations about i mean we had that episode we recorded like (laughs) that was called what makes a monster which is drawing from all of these just awesome ethical dilemmas that Geralt has to face when he is someone who's a monster hunter, but where's the line between what is or isn't a monster? And when you have literal monsters, like beasts, that (laughs) creatures are in your world, uh, these questions become more literal and less figurative, like we've been talking about and and allows us to to learn more, like I I keep going back to. I'm very proud of that What Makes a Monster episode, so go back and check that out. Audio quality is fine, but... The content is good. <laughs> so definitely yeah. check that out. And because um, it's this idea of like, yeah, like what makes a monster in, in one of those stories? It's just like all these like, you know, someone like a princess or a daughter was killed and everyone's kind of not talking about it and avoiding it. And there's this creature now that lurks in the basement, like haunting right. all of them, plaguing all of them. And it was through confronting it, through Geralt, like surviving the night with it and facing it head on that turned it, you know. So it's like those kinds of things are what you know, we explore in fantasy. It's like, what makes the monster? It's like, well, you can explore it through the human condition. And it's just a super great story in that sense. And then also like monster bounty hunters are cool. Right. Yeah. Well, Charles, I was very impressed. It was not me, but you who brought (laughs) up in that What Makes a Monster episode, the idea of how you can explore interpersonal trauma as a psychological (laughs) concept through the witcher and i thought you made really great points in that yes but it was you that brought it home with your knowledge and actually put a comprehensive thesis behind it so it was good teamwork (laughs) (laughs) well that's why we do it charles is uh, for that teamwork and that fun enjoying Mm -hmm. fantasy together Mm -hmm. and let's say that's also a giant reason why we enjoy reading fantasy is even just this what we're doing here which is collaborating and having fun talking about fantasy with other folks in this amazing community that we're so honored and happy to be a part of we've had such a pleasure you know we just started the podcast last summer 
from the time we're recording this anyway, if you're listening right. way in the future. Um, <laughs> and we, I mean, we had no idea we would have such an amazing time interacting with all of you and getting to meet all of you and all this kind of stuff. We thought it would just be uh, screaming into the void about why we <laughs> like fantasy, but instead we've been able to share these kind of conversations with everyone out there on the Twitter sphere, the Instaverse, and uh, so many more over email. I mean, so many more that we're sharing <laughs> our and love of even authors with. that we're having communications with like i can't think of very many communities where you can reach out to the creator themselves and, and get questions and thoughts and and have a relationship with you know it's it i think fantasy is just one of those supportive communities that adds you know it's exceeded our wildest dreams in terms of like being able to have a conversation on the internet and i just think that's a large part in the support of the community and it's such a fun community to be a part of you know these past six seven months have been so amazing so why do we read fantasy charles <laughs> we do it for you noble <laughs> listener we do it because we because we love interacting with you and mm -hmm. uh we're so happy that you are listening to us sharing our joy of fantasy very well said and you know what dylan i think the best part of all is that i get to talk fantasy with you my lifelong friend Aww. and co-host <laughs> we've been talking <laughs> fantasy for many years together and you know what why fantasy well that's just what we like to do that's one of our common areas of interest and it's um played a formative role in our relationship the past couple years and i can't think of many other literary genres or hobbies that have that have done that for me and in, in my relationships anyway so gotta gotta love fantasy for that oh charles i the feelings are very mutual <laughs> and i'm so happy to be on this epic quest that is the fdf podcast with you i'm enjoying being on this epic quest with you as well i don't think you can top that honestly <laughs> i think the conversation has has come to a nice pause for now uh, so with that, I think I'll get that sweet, sweet outro music. Let's get it rolling. Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been your hosts, uh, Charles and Dylan. If you like what you heard today, let us know. Reach out to us on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. If you prefer Facebook or Instagram, we got those two. That's at the FTF Podcast. You can always send us an email. It goes directly straight to us. And we've replied to them all so far. And that is the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line over there. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they just so happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, what can they do to show their love and support five stars to our podcast Charles they can scroll down on that Apple podcast page until they see the point where there's five potential stars that you could click all it takes is that one wonderful click to add five stars if you do have uh, the time we would love a review too that's even better it helps you find us and all that kind of stuff but even just listening is enough and more than enough really thank you so much for making it to the end here Yes, thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, 
thank you. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.